This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. And welcome to episode number three of Baldy's Breakdowns. Oh man, the NFL free agency period, the offseason is underway, and thank goodness what a welcome distraction. It's Brian Baldinger, Jason Martinez. Baldy, how you doing? Look, Jason, under these uh, trying times that the whole world is under, I'm good. I'm healthy, and I'm practicing my safe distancing, as I do almost every single day here in my war room. Um, I know people were – there were some people that were uh, a little critical of the NFL, kicking off their NFL season with free agency this past week. But I'll be honest with you, I got a whole lot more good reactions after what it was, and people were following their teams and following the trades and following – the signings, and I thought um, I thought it couldn't have come at a better time, to be honest with you. I thought people were glued to it. They were following it, and um, they were hungry, hungry for some kind of sports in some way, some kind of distraction away from obviously what everybody is thinking about. Yeah, what's going on obviously is very serious, but to have a welcome distraction, that's why we love sports, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it provides you a, a distraction, it's entertainment, and it's been great. What's not great is that Sean Payton uh, announced yesterday that he did test positive for coronavirus. Um, some guys, you know, athletes, pro athletes deciding to go public with it. Marcus Smart and the NBA did again. Uh, other players have tested positive. Uh, but Baldy, uh, Sean Payton tests positive. And it's good. I think it's good for a coach or some, a high-profile person to come forward because it shows that anybody can get it and that it's serious. And that's what he did it for. He did it that, uh, and yeah. he wanted to get his message out. He obviously has talked to his doctors and what they have told him about this and the importance of, you know, kind of following the protocol right now that's been put out there. And so he's self-quarantining himself and hopes to get back to work. But, I mean, he's really more important because he didn't have any other symptoms except that he just felt fatigued. And so there wasn't the sore throat. There wasn't the fever. You know, he just felt fatigued. And so I think, you know, that's even more important. The, the idea that there isn't just one set of symptoms right now that's going to set off an alarm for people. I mean, you know, I would imagine most, most coaches feel a little fatigued. I mean, they don't really sleep very much and uh, they work insane hours. And so, you know, he fell prey to it. So, uh, look. New Orleans is a hot spot right now with Mardi Gras and everything, all the people that have come into the city for a variety of different reasons. And so uh, I I thought it was brave of Sean, but it was also very important. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, Let's get to some of the headlines uh, that are going on in the NFL right now. And I just saw this tweeted out by Adam Schefter, uh, a statement from Tom Brady, and it reads as follows, Baldy. I want to get your your impression of this statement. uh, Brady says, excited, humble, and hungry. If there's one thing I've learned about football, it's that nobody cares what you did last year or the year before that. You are in the trust and respect of those through your commitment every single day. He said, I'm starting a new football journey and thankful for the Buccaneers for giving me an opportunity to do what I love to do. I look forward to meeting all my new teammates and coaches and proving to them that they believe they can believe and trust in me. I've always believed that well done is better than well said. So I'm not going to say much more. I'm just going to get to work. Hashtag year one. Tom Brady. What'd you think of that? That, that, that That's well said. Yeah, I mean, Tom doesn't usually misspeak, you know, about just about anything. Um, that's like a pro speaking. And I think the message is strong, strong to uh, anybody that's, you know, had success in his business. 
at any stage of their career that, you know, humble is a good way to go. And, you know, getting to work is there was nothing better and no better feeling than to get to work. And so I thought that message right there, I'm sure a lot of people will will read it just as you did, Jason. I mean, if I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and that's coming from my new quarterback, that probably, you know, tells me um, regardless of the situation we're in right now, uh, we have to really uh, start looking ahead to what's in front of us and whatever we accomplish, whether you're Shaq Barrett with 19 and a half sacks and leading the NFL last year, that really doesn't matter anymore. All that matters right now is, you know, what we do going forward. So I think that's a pretty good statement that uh, if I was the Buccaneers, I'd be printing that all over my websites right now. Oh, absolutely. That'd be on wallpaper on a billboard as quickly as I could get it there. Baldy, it's injected that Tampa Bay market with a ton of excitement. It's almost like you're getting uh, Tom Brady, you know, 12 years ago in his absolute prime. We're talking about a 42-year-old quarterback. How much of a difference can he make for that team? Their odds jump from, I think, 50-1 to to 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl? Well, you know, I went back and I, and I watched uh, Jameis Winston's interception reel, Jace, and you know, he threw 30 of them, but in, you know, the final play of the season was an overtime, first play in overtime against the Falcons in week 17. It was a pick six that ended their season. It was, it was so apropos of what, what happened. I mean, you can talk about 5,000 yards or 5,100 yards that Jameis Winston threw for, but in three losses last year, he threw four interceptions or more. I mean, these are things that Tom Brady just is not going to do. So, you know, if you and then he also, you know, fumbled the ball away five times, which Tom Brady has never done in a season. In fact, Tom Brady hasn't thrown 30 interceptions combined over the last four years. So, you know, the number one stat in football is turnover ratio and no bigger indicator of winning or losing games. So if you just said, OK, let's clean up the takeaways, let's clean up the turnovers, which I think Tom Brady will do. I mean, the team's going to improve. The team improved. I, I did them a couple times last year, Jason. I was down there. I saw them get whipped by New Orleans, like probably around week 12. But that team finished really strong. Defensively, that front seven with Devin White and, uh, you know, it was the rookie and everybody that they had, their Vita Vea, some young players that are really good. They kept Jason Pierre-Paul and they kept uh, Shaq Barrett, which I thought was going to be difficult to do. But... I think they have a chance of being really good. I have a, I mean, I, I expect at least 10 wins out of that team and maybe 11. If you get to 11 wins, you're going to get to the postseason. And in the postseason where there's going to be seven teams this year, not six, I think that they their chances in the postseason can be really good. Wow. Well, it's going to be it's going to be one of those really interesting stories to follow early in the season and we'll see if they're for real and if they can they can take people and, and the Tampa Bay fans on a wild ride uh, they would love nothing more than that down there with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin the Penn State product to be able to do that but Baldy we have a couple uh, moves that just came in uh, through the night and that would be haha Clinton Dix to the Cowboys and Todd Gurley ends up in Atlanta after uh, all those years out with the Rams let's start with Gurley uh, why did it, uh, the Rams have to move on from Gurley a couple years ago I mean th- th- he was a tremendous player and a huge cog for them in getting to the Super Bowl, and just like that, boom, he's gone. He's now an Atlanta Falcon. Well, after that 2017 season, which was Sean McVay's first season, and, you know, he he went from Todd Gurley being a shotgun back, one, one back option to an under the center, eight yards deep, they totally changed the offense 
after the second week loss to the Minnesota Vikings that year. And he took off and the Rams took off and, and Goff took off. And, and so after that season, they rewarded him with a huge contract extension and it wasn't structured very well. Jason Lockenfor is going to be a guest with us from CBS sports. He could kind of get into why that contract turned out to be such a bad contract and how it really hamstrung them. It wouldn't hamstring them as much if Todd Gurley was still a productive player, but we're seeing declining results in 2018, especially a drop-off this year in 2017. And the number of carries and, and all that, you know, the number of touches hasn't dropped off significantly, but his production has. And one of the things you look at with all running backs, I saw it this year from Ezekiel Elliott, Jason, is the number of explosive plays. So in 2017 and 2018, he had 38 plays of 28 of 20 yards or more. 38. This past year, 2019, he had a total of eight. So you're not getting the explosive plays, whether it's in the passing game, screens, checkdowns, or just as a receiver, and in the running game. Now, you can say, okay, the Rams rebuilt their offensive line. They weren't very good last year. All that stuff is true. But at some point, the running back has got to be able to do it. And Ezekiel Elliott had three explosive runs last year of 20 yards or more. A guy like Devin Singletary, a rookie in Buffalo, had 10. So, you know, it's about fresh legs. It's about explosion. It's about, you know, we saw splash plays from Miles Garrett in Philadelphia. It's a young man's game, especially at that position. And I'm not saying Todd Gurley can't do that in Atlanta now that he's a Falcon. They need a running back. Devontae Freeman, they have moved on from him. But you may get the same type of just sort of ordinary pedestrian play from Todd Gurley from here on out. I know the name, you know, Rookie of the Year, Georgia native, uh, you know, all those things. I don't know if we're going to ever see that production that we saw in 2017 from Todd Gurley. And that's why you saw uh, Sean McVay taking him off the field in some key situations when you didn't see that a couple of years ago. Baldy, haha, Clinton Dix goes to the Cowboys. They've made some additions, but they've been looking for a safety. They got one in, in Clinton Dix. Well, they were in the Jamal Adams sweepstakes, you know, before the trade deadline last year. There's no question about it. They were on the phone to Joe Douglas and the Jets. They, uh, they released Jeff Heath, or he signed a free agency. Uh, they kept Darian Thompson. They had need safe. They have been needing safeties. Now, whether HaHa Clinton Dix is the answer or not, he has been well traveled. Um, you know, since he started in 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 Green Bay, and he's moved to three different teams. This is his fourth team now in two years. But um, it does you, you in free agency. You do have to fill twenty two spots. You got to line up. You got to put a starting team out there. HaHa Clinton Dix will be the starting safety. We'll see how it holds up. How he holds up. Um, other teams have moved on from him in recent times, but the Cowboys desperately needed a safety on the back end of their defense. And they've got one. Yeah, they certainly have. Uh, they've made some moves uh, to improve their situation uh, going into this season. And uh, a lot of teams in Tampa Bay is one of those as well. Baldy, one of the things that I saw, and I, I got to ask you about this before we get to Jason Lacanfora is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decided to raise ticket prices. I know there's a lot of excitement, but considering everything that's going on, and, you know, people losing jobs and, and the trickle-down effect of what is uh, the uh, pandemic. Uh, was that the wisest move and to announce that at this time? I think they were the second lowest price ticket in the NFL, around $82 a ticket. It's not the right time. It just isn't. I mean, you can raise tickets. You can raise ticket prices. You're not – I mean, I know this is the time to, to do it. 
Um, Brady's there. It's fresh. Uh, they're excited. But I think there was a way that you could have held off on this um, and, and just waited for maybe this thing to calm down a little bit before you just because it looks like it's just a gouge. In, in a bad time right now. People are being unemployed. People aren't going to work. Uh, people are going to have a real hard time making ends meet. Uh, businesses are not open. Uh, a lot of things are going on around the country. Uh, I would have held off on this deal um, until, you know, at least this thing calmed down, at least when people gets back to work. I mean, I know that he's going to bring a lot of people into the Raymond James Stadium. It has not been selling out at all. I've done some games there. It looks half empty a lot of the times, but I don't think this is the right time. Yeah, it's, as they say, bad optics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm. Let's talk about Jameis Winston because he gets displaced, obviously. And uh, there's a lot of rumors of places he could go. We see that he's not going to end up in Chicago because Nick Foles goes there. We'll get to that in, in a moment. But Jameis Winston now needs a home. Where's the home for Jameis Winston? Well, I think, you know, look, Marcus Mariota, got moved to the Oakland Raiders. I mean, in that draft of 2015, it was, you know, it was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, one and two. If Mark, Marcus Mariota got beat out uh, by Ryan Tannehill, they obviously Tannehill got paid. So it's a quarterback carousel. So the, the you know, maybe I have not seen the terms of Marcus Mariota's contract, um, but I'm sure Jameis Winston is going to want money in a, in a fair contract, but he's not going to get it. And Cam Newton is not going to, you know, he's not going to get it. I mean, Carolina will hold on to him to try to trade him, but it's not a tradable contract. He's owed $19 million this year. People aren't wow. paying $19 million to Cam Newton right now, unless they know he's, he's 100% healthy. And nobody's going to be able to find this out in these uh, trying times right now. So for James Winston, if you just said, where's a good landing spot, Jason? I think Jacksonville is a good landing spot. So mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew is the rookie. He was injured last year, but he played well at times. He completed a high percentage of passes. But is he the long-term answer in Jacksonville? They look like they're – I don't know what Jacksonville's doing. They're letting some of their better players, Clayus Campbell, A.J. Boye, go. Um, so they look like they're in complete transition to me. But if I was Jameis Winston and I feel like either I'm getting the short end of the stick or I have more value than what people are – saying right about me right now he's not getting signed I, I would go I would think about going to Jacksonville I'd put a lifeline out there and go look let me compete with Gardner Minshew and structure me a contract that if I become the starting quarterback if I meet certain demands I get paid um I, I think that you know James Winston has a lot of value but 30 interceptions and five fumbles is not going to be attractive in a year that you're playing for a contract remember he was in his fifth year of his contract. He was playing it out. They did not, uh, you know, they did not offer him a renewed contract last year. They let him play it out. And for some guys like Joe Flacco, he ended up with a Super Bowl victory and an MVP uh, trophy, and it parlayed it into a $100 million contract. Um, for Jameis Winston, he bet on himself, and it didn't work out. So that's the way it goes sometimes, I think. But, but if you ask me, Jacksonville is a good place to go. I'm not sure if they're interested or not. I haven't talked to Doug Marone about it. Uh, but I would say that play for your play a one-year deal, incentive-laden, and if you can win the deal, maybe you can become Ryan Tannehill next year. 
Yeah, it's a prove-it situation for Winston. It's going to be a prove-it situation for Cam as well. Uh, The Miami Dolphins, a potential landing spot for uh, either of those quarterbacks. Um, uh, Washington Redskins, does that make sense for a Cam Newton perhaps, Baldy? Well, you know, you you always connect the dots as much as you can. So Ron Rivera is there. Uh, Obviously, you know, Cam Newton was the MVP under Ron Rivera and took his team to the Super Bowl. I don't know how Ron personally feels about Cam Newton, how he conducted his business on a day-to-day you know, thing. I know this, that if you want to evaluate Cam Newton, you have to go back to the last time he was healthy. We saw Jason here in Philadelphia when the Eagles were up 17-0 on Cam Newton in week seven that year. And Cam came back and engineered a comeback and won that game 20-17. to There was a stretch there in 2018 where he, was, he wasn't at the MVP level, but he was having a lot of fun. North Turner was his offense coordinator. It was a college-based offense. Um, Curtis Samuel, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, they were having some fun playing offense. Greg Olson was getting the ball a bunch. Devin Funches was a big part of the offense. When you go back and you watch that, you go, that's a damn good-looking quarterback. I mean, he was a dual threat. The arm was strong. Um, he was pulling the trigger. They were winning a lot of games. They were 6-2 and two, um, before Cam Newton started, you know, the shoulder started going on him. And by, you know, by week 14, I mean, he was done. So if he's healthy, there's an investment out there where he's, yes, he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in his business. He's one of the best 15 quarterbacks in his business. But that remains to be seen, whether the Liz Frank has healed sufficiently and whether the shoulder is back to form, the throwing shoulder and the throwing arm. And if it is, you know, you have to. Somebody has to get into the Cam Newton sweepstakes. Yeah, well, you just alluded to it too, and you're right. You know, an unhealthy quarterback can't do anybody any good, no matter how good you are or have been. Uh, and you just mentioned Joe Flacco. He didn't pass the physical. He's now out there as well. What's the future? I mean, you just mentioned it, Baldy. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a Super Bowl MVP. He led that team, and they had a great run to a Super Bowl. And you know. It, is Flacco out of the NFL at this point, or is he going to have to resign himself to a backup position, if, if anything? Well, I mean, you said at the very top of the show, Jason, uh, a message that Tom Brady had put out there about what you have accomplished before is not important at all. It, it carries no weight. And it's so true, especially at the quarterback position. But if you look at, if you look at Joe Flacco from the start of the 2018 season until they made the switch to Lamar Jackson, he was not good. He was not good in Denver last year. Now, you can say, okay, the team around him wasn't good. All that stuff is true. But, you know, Joe Flacco uh, is, is, is just struggling right now as a starting quarterback. And he has not been productive. And, the, you know, he's he came in the same year as Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's still playing at a very good level. But you can't say that about Joe Flacco. So, you know, right now, you know, Joe Flacco is from right down the road from where I'm at right now. In Audubon, New Jersey, he's got, I don't know, four or five kids. He's invested in Ron Jaworski's golf courses back here. Um, You know, he's had health issues, major health issues, beginning with a really bad back that knocked him out of an entire offseason. You know, I would say if I'm Joe Flacco, I'm I'm thinking about retirement, but I'm certainly listening to what is out there. But there's not a starting job out there. Denver was a starting job that opened up for him. But there's not a starting job out there for Joe Flacco right now. He's going to have to take backup pay and earn his spot, you know, as a backup. And I don't know that Joe Flacco is really willing to do that.
And joining us right now on Baldy's Breakdowns, the third episode, you read him on CBS Sports. Uh, he's a radio host in Baltimore. Jason Lackenfora joins us right now. Jason, how are you today? I'm hanging in there, man. I hope you guys are doing the same and, and you and yours are safe and healthy here. And uh, so we try to ride this thing out. Let's start there because uh, obviously very uh, different circumstances around the start of the NFL league year. Um, Has it been particularly difficult for you to, you know, kind of get information and, you know, with everything going on, it's obviously league teams are handling it differently, not bringing players in and and all those things. How's it been different for you, Jason Lackenfora? Uh, it's been different for me just sort of logistically um, as someone who is used to pretty much working from home, all the time, and all I really had to do was manage my dog, Copper, and make sure he didn't bark too much while I was on the phone. Now we've got three little people, and my wife's a teacher, so she's got to try to teach her classes from Skype, and our house is not that big, and there's only so many places you can go to hide to try to, you know, make calls and write columns and, and prepare for a radio show. So, but, I mean, these are first-world problems, man, and it's all good, and it's awesome to, be, to have my family um, around, and, and I get to run out to the baseball diamonds, you know, every day for 90 minutes and take the boys out there and hit them some balls and pitch to them. Um, you know, it's not like they're crowded. We're the only people there, but, I, you know, try to have some normalcy. But it is – it's crazy when you think about all the things you would normally be doing that you take for granted, like my daughter was supposed to be in a musical – this weekend, you know, I'm not going to be giving her, you know, roses after watching her sing, and I'm not going to be coaching first base, probably at all, and I'm not going to be coaching third base, and um, all these weekends where, oh, we're this team, we're on this, tra- you know, travel team that weekend, and we're going to be here, and we're going to be there, it's just crazy, like, we have this whiteboard in our kitchen, like, each month with all the days, and usually there's, you know, eight things a day, like, yeah. there's nothing, yeah. you know what I mean, literally, color- we just... We took the thing, Baldy. We took a sponge and just wiped it like it's it's all gone. I, I know that whiteboard, Jason. You got color coded. Like this is, yeah. you know, right? Baseball, Chloe is in pink and Rocco's like, in I, blue and Mateo's in yeah, red. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Lauren's in yeah. black. It's all gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's but I mean, again, obviously there's bigger things at, at play here. And uh, where I live in Baltimore, the numbers are definitely going up pretty rapidly and it seems to be the case everywhere and and we all just hope that we do you know do the right things and 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 try to flatten this curve out hey Jay, is there any preparedness right now from the nfl standpoint on some if this really strings out they're not talking publicly much about it but there's a lot going on behind the scenes i was supposed to have troy vincent on my radio show on tuesday and about 45 minutes before he was supposed to come on, he's like, dude, I'm going to be in these meetings for like two or three more hours. Uh, they're, they're in contingency and planning meetings. Uh, I don't want to say around the clock, but there's a lot going on right now. Um, I, I don't see any way that there's any offseason whatsoever. Um, I don't see any way that there's a rookie minicamp. Um, how do guys get playbooks? How much are we going to monitor FaceTime? How, like, Especially if you're drafting a quarterback, you're going to need to connect with him in some way. You guys know guys learn differently. Some guys really only learn unless they're in the room with other guys who are kind of all learning at the same time. Some guys learn one-on-one. Some guys learn best with a coach standing right next to him on the whiteboard, walking him through the particular nuances of a play, and then going through the walkthroughs with everybody, active learning. Good luck with that. Jason, do you um, think how, you know, any- how much time do we get with quarter with, with any player? Um, how much time do they need to ramp up? If let's just say July fifteenth, buildings reopen. 
No, but Jason, do you think there's any... You know what I mean? You like, think... There's a lot to sort through that no one's talking about right now because we're in the free agency frenzy. But behind the scenes, there's a very different frenzy going on about what are the rules going to be? How is competitive balance going to work? Think about these new coaches. There's a reason they get to come in earlier than anybody else, right? There's a reason their off-season programs start earlier. I don't see any scenario where that's the case this year. I think everybody's going to be going zero to 60 at the same time. And if you don't have continuity, if you don't have built-in language, if you don't have a locker room that's already simpatico, I think you're going to get left in the dust. Jason, do you think there's any uh, anything like 2011 where we saw the doors just open yeah. after the lockout? And there was a carry over there. I mean, everybody remembers the dream team in Philadelphia yes. and how that never came together. But yes. I, I feel like we're on a collision course yes. for what we all kind of saw in 2011. And that may be the best case scenario, Baldy. I, I, I mean, again, yeah. people I talk to in Major League Baseball, I don't know anybody in Major League Baseball who thinks that season's starting before the All-Star break. Like, honestly thinks that season's starting before the All-Star break. Wow. So, you know what I mean? Football's going to go rah-rah into practices that don't even count towards the regular, you know, that, that obviously don't affect the standings. Just think about the numbers involved in a, in a football. Like, just one of those, we've all been to those scrimmages, right? Uh, yeah. The Ravens take the bus up to Philadelphia. How many dudes are on that field between the players, yeah. both teams? Tra- you know what I mean? Oh, it's 100, like 120 people. Yeah. Like, so even in Major League Baseball or basketball where you got two 12-man rosters and a couple of officials and they're playing in empty, let's say they're, let's say they're playing in empty arenas by whatever, July. How's football going? But, but if, they're, if, if, if they're still saying don't congregate in groups of more than 250, like how do you do that? You got 90-man roster. You got 20-person coaching staff. You got, you know, all your scouts. I mean, all the, all the, the trainers, all the guys in the, in the equipment room. It's a different operation. So that's the kind of stuff they're talking about at Park Avenue. They're not going to say anything publicly, and I think we all know the NFL is reactionary more than proactionary, right? They, we didn't, they didn't even cancel those league meetings that were supposed to be next weekend until a week ago. So I don't think we'll hear a lot of public proclamations, but I know that teams individually are talking about it, and the league office is talking about it. And, and I'll just go back to I mean, I wrote a column that I think we'll post today. There will be competitive balance things that come out of this. And if I'm like the Philadelphia Eagles and I'm looking at that division and everybody else made massive changes, and I know Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy are established coaches, but all the normal time they would have to just walk mm-hmm. around the building, right, and go into different position group meetings rooms and get to know these guys and get the buy-in and learn about their families and, you know, this sort of natural, organic sort of process that these guys have to establish their culture, that's out the window. You know, that, those, you're, you're, you're in fantasy land if you think you're going to have the normal two-and-a-half-month period between the start of the workout uh, phase and the end of your June minicamp to get to know these cats. That's not happening. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen, Jason. But let's, um, it's interesting, Jason, because you wrote an article. I want to kind of switch gears here. Uh, the league – and the fans, everybody's going to have to get used to some kind of new normal, and nobody knows what that's going to be. So we we will talk about that as we get down this road. But you wrote an article last week, Jason, that really piqued my interest, and it really had to do with the salary cap. And we see every time you get to free agency, it involves the salary cap. And you wrote an article about the top five teams that have not spent money 
yeah. over the last few years. The Cowboys and the Ravens, to my surprise, were at the very bottom of the list. And, you know, both teams have kind of cried wolf. It's, you know, yeah. especially the Cowboys, about being able to sign, you know, whether it's Amari Cooper or, you know, now that they franchise Dak Prescott and all the stuff they did with the running back last year. But it just goes to show you, and we saw Todd Gurley getting released yesterday, in large part because the Rams have done a bad job of managing their capital yeah. contracts. And it just seems to me that the more we get down this road, Jason, how you manage your cap is how you kind of sustain excellence in this business at this point. Yeah, and, and look, cash trumps cap. It's a soft cap. It's not like you can't go over. You, you can. You just have to make it work with how you juggle the numbers for individual players. But there have been plenty of times where teams' actual cash spend is over the, the, you know, the cap number itself, but you've got to be willing to do that as an owner. Um, and, again, you've got to be willing to restructure a bunch of contracts and, and take certain risks. But if a guy like Jerry Jones really, really wants to win, and his franchise is worth whatever, $5 billion, and he has revenue streams that, that surpass most others, um, and he's already kind of dipped his toes a little bit into the gambling waters, right? And he's a guy who on the marketing side of things has always been at the vanguard of the, the best ways to make the most money and sponsorships and naming rights and this and that, and he's got his glistening new stadium. So for the Dallas Cowboys to be the lowest spending team in any four-year period, it, to me, is staggering. And if I'm a Cowboys mm-hmm. fan, I'm like, where's that where's going? You know what I mean? Like, what? Where? Where? why? You know? So don't tell me we, we can't keep Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. Yes, you can. And they did. And I got news for you. If they thought Byron Jones was worth $17 million, they could have kept him, too. They just mm. didn't want to pay what the Dolphins paid, and that's their prerogative. Um, but don't get it twisted that it's the cap that's preventing him. Uh, no. I mean, there's, there's teams that spent in a four-year period $100 million more than Jerry Jones. So. Wow. I mean, that's just reality, but it's great. These owners have it great because all we ever talk about is salary cap. Like, cap, 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 cap. Well, that, that's fungible. That's pretty good cover for them. We talk about payroll and all these other sports. Football's got the biggest revenue streams. Uh, it makes the most money. you got Goodell saying at some point he wants them to be $25 billion in revenue, yet no one talks about the cash spend. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good deal for the owners. Yeah, no question. Hey, Jay, one of the things about this offseason, and Baldy and I have been talking about it, because it's been the year of the big-time quarterback guys, yeah. Phillip Rivers moving, and, and obviously the name on the marquee there and the biggest is Tom Brady, who ends up with the Buccaneers. But how much did all this quarterback shuffling kind of uh, have players in a wait-and-see mentality? Yeah. Were there players that normally would have gone to New England and all of a sudden go when Brady announces that he's leaving, by the way, on St. Patrick's Day to the Boston fans? It's a little bit of a dig. Uh, is that players changing their trajectory and where they may want to go? Because you know we know that receivers follow quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah I don't think that it's that so much. Um, I do think that for guys like Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy, it was like, hey, Tommy's jumping ship, so there's no hometown discount here. You know what I mean? Like we don't exactly know what, our, what we're hitching our wagon to, and we're not hitching it to um, – the most important player in this franchise the last 20 years. So, you know what, we're going to go follow the money um, because we don't know that there's a title in the, uh, you know, we, we can't we can't just take for granted that we're going to be in the, the AFC Championship game next year because we're always in the AFC Championship game because that's changed. 
Um, in terms of like guys changing their path, though, I, I really don't think so. I mean, look, you don't get that many bites of the apple, and for, by and large, you're going to go where you have the best opportunity to maximize your 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 cash flow, and then also, you know, win. I, I mean, this idea that there's dudes all over the league, you know, Pied Piper who want to be with Tom Brady. I, I mean, <laughs> like, do I think Jules wants to be back with him? Yeah. Yeah, You know, like, are, are there guys who are his boys who are like, hey, I want to be your slot guy? Sure. But, I mean, they got two outside receivers who are pretty darn good. Um, yeah. You know, they've got two tight ends right now. Uh, Gronk's not coming out of retirement, you know what I mean, to go to Tampa. Like, they're pretty much set. Like, they can use an offensive lineman. They certainly need a running back, but there's always a bunch of those in the draft. I think what it's done, though, the fact that there's so many quarterback mouths who want to be fed, and there's only a limited number of seats at the table, and five of them are going to be taken by kids in the first round of this draft, I think it has suppressed the market. I mean, Phillip Rivers, like, let's just say he called the Colts bluff, said, yeah, I'm not going to take one year 25. And actually, GMs I've talked to think the Colts could have had even more of a hard line and said one year 15, take it or leave it. Where, where was he going? Like, where else was he going? Tampa was I agree. a team that was sniffing on him, but they got the goat. You know what I mean? We would be talking about Phillip Rivers right now in a way that we're talking about Jameis Winston or soon-to-be Cam Newton. Cam Newton's going to get flat-out cut because no one's going to trade for him because it's like, well, we're worried about the injury, and they're not going to bring him into that locker room ever with Teddy Bridgewater, so we'll just wait for him to get cut and sign him to our deal. I mean, and plus, it's a $19 million pay. Story, they right? got, they got to, they got to pay him $19 million is Yeah, that, that he's and they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. So I'll just wait it out. And I, I suspect by the weekend, Cam Newton's a free agent. Like, what are the what, what's Andy Dalton going to go for now? Like, will the Bengals just cut Andy Dalton? They may have to. Like, let's say Cam Newton is on the street, and John Gruden's like, all right, I'm going to sign him to a three-year, $45 million deal with a bunch of incentives. And that's the best Cam can do. Then Derek Carr's on the street. You know what I mean? What are they going to be able to trade Derek Carr for? Another down. 19 yeah, million. Nothing. I mean, and this would be massive normally, but because we had – you know, Breeze and what's he going to get to stay, and we had Phillip and where he's going to go, and we had the GOAT trumping all of it. We haven't even talked about this sort of second wave as much, which in any mm-hmm. given normal offseason, would, we wouldn't have been able to get our heads around it. But the, now we're trying to figure out what Tom Brady's going to look like, you know, with a swashbuckler on his helmet. And, we're, <laughs> you know what I mean, we haven't even talked much, as much about these other parts of this phenomenon that it, it's – it is the supply and demand is entirely in favor of the teams. Hmm. Yeah, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen a situation like this. And plus, like you said, we may see five go in the first round uh, if and whenever we get this draft underway. I know it's been declared that April twenty third we're still going to do it, but we got to wait and kind of see how they're going to function that. But it, but yeah, I mean it's, it, but it, I do agree that Philip Rivers. I mean, in the Colts, they're probably bidding against themselves yeah. for that deal. Uh, you know, like, and so, you know, I, if I they held the line at fifteen, right? And he says no, then they could say, "Well, all right, we're going to go trade a four for Andy Dalton." You know what I mean? We're going to, yeah. or we'll wait for Cam to get cut. But you know what I mean? Like whatever. Like there's more dominoes to fall. It's incredible the trickle down. Hey, Jason, when you look at uh, around the league, there's been some head scratchers for sure. Uh, and you know, you look at the, the Hopkins trade with the Texans and. And, and that seems just so lopsided because a couple of days later you see the, the, the return for Stefan Diggs. Uh, what's really kind of stuck out to you as kind of the head-scratcher deals or you know, situations that have taken place in this past, what's been an incredibly crazy and compelling week of NFL free agency? 
Yeah, there's there's a few. Um, <laughs> there's 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 a few. The Texans for sure. Just go back to when they had a very serviceable left tackle in Dwayne Brown, who wanted a few million dollars more at the tail end of his contract, and Bill O'Brien said, "Nah, we're not doing it. We're not paying them. Get him out of here." And then just just follow the money. Since then, right? Then they they overspend on they they miss out on the draft on Dillard. Uh, it, the Eagles jump ahead of him. He fires his GM, even though that wasn't the GM. Bill O'Brien was running the show then. Brian Kane wasn't running the show. And then they get themselves in a, in, a, in a jackpot, and they're bidding against themselves for Laramie Tunsil, and they make the Dolphins an offer they can't refuse without having the guy even signed to an extension. So now they're like, oh, our cap's going to blow up because we also have to pay the quarterback. And DeAndre Hopkins isn't a guy who drinks the Bill O'Brien Kool-Aid. Um, he is a guy who sits there and says, if this guy is so good of a, as a head coach, why does he fire himself as the play caller every other year and then bring himself back as the play caller? And you know what I mean? Are we really getting better here? Like, what are we doing? Why do we go out in the first round every year? Um, so he's expendable now. So he's gone. Trade him for pennies on the dollars. I mean, they're looking for help on the edge. They gave Seattle $7 million to take Jadavion Clowney off their hands. Like, mm. this guy's great at spending the owner's money. I mean, then you're going to take the David Johnson contract? I, whatever, they, man. They, and you still haven't they, paid the quarterback in the left tackle. Like, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, you, you could know? have gotten David Johnson for, you know, a cup of coffee. I mean, they were going to yeah. cut him anyways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he literally wasn't even dressing it. He, wasn't, he was a healthy scratch at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you think he's going to be a difference maker for you? His guy's traded for – we just talked about, you know, everybody's talking about Todd Gurley just signed for peanuts. Bill O'Brien's traded for three running backs in like a calendar year. Like, what does he know that everybody else doesn't know? Everybody else is cutting running backs. He's trading for them. <laughs> I mean, the Rams, we knew that was coming. I mean, the Ramsey trade put them in a bind where they were in, you know, all-or-nothing mode and – you know, obviously they didn't even make the playoffs, and there was going to be uh, some bloodletting there because of their cap situation and because of all the bad contracts they've done. But, you know, they're going to this new stadium, so they can't just kind of bite the bullet, right, and say, well, man, maybe we better tank a little bit because we have no draft picks as it is. So whatever we do pick needs to probably be as high as it can be so we can get out of this quickly. Instead, <laughs> they're giving Whitworth $20 million guaranteed over the next two years to play left tackle for him, but... I mean, every Father Time's undefeated. You know what I mean? And and there's a reason that's all you can get him for now. So maybe you need to develop a left tackle because if if and when you turn the corner, Whitworth's long gone. But that's still another twenty million of cap and cash that's not going somewhere else. The quarterback contract will be an albatross, even more so than the Gurley contract was. Brandon Cooks, they'll probably have to cut him between Cooks or Woods. I mean, they need to trade one of them. I don't know if they could trade. You could trade Woods. The contract's not as bad. But I don't think anybody's helping them out with, with Cooks. The defense, which wasn't that great to begin with last year, has been absolutely gutted. Yet they're still spending some money in free agency. And I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. Okay. Um, and the Bears. I mean, the Bears, they, they're like Jacksonville the year that they won 10 games and went to the championship game and then spent all that money and kept Bortles, they're following the same playbook, right right down to the Nick Foles move. Um, they're, did they see something in Jimmy Graham that, that nobody else? Did, did they see something in Jimmy Graham that the Green Bay Packers didn't it's see over the last season? I mean, the guy can't block his shadow. He is no longer a red zone threat. Yeah. Um, like, Aaron Rodgers didn't trust him at all. He could I mean, what what – I just wonder sometimes, these evaluators, are they sitting in a room like self right here and watching any of this stuff? 
Dude, and remind me, wasn't it like not that long ago they just reset the tight end market for Trey Burton? Like, it's not as if they hadn't been spending. They've been spending their backsides off. They just haven't been winning. And they still have an issue at quarterback. I mean, Robert Quinn had a nice bounce-back season, but to give him that much money at this stage of his career when, when they're just making desperation, they're doubling down on desperation, and that's, a, that's an ugly scent in this league, and everybody else can smell it. And by this time next year, other teams will be picking through that roster like a carcass the way they are the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and trading fifth-round picks for guys who are, are immediate starters because they're going to be up against it. And that new regime who comes in there is, is going to look at that situation and say, we're screwed on multiple levels. We're screwed with draft collateral. We're screwed with some of these contracts that don't make sense for us. And we're screwed from a cap standpoint. I have a question, Jason, because it really involves everything that we just watched this last week, uh, especially with the departure between Brady and Belichick. Belichick just was not going to give Brady a long-term contract. It was going to be a year-to-year deal. Yeah. It wasn't that they didn't want him. They just weren't going to give him a long-term deal. It's always about money. But even going back to last year when Russell Wilson negotiated his contract, I almost thought at that point as good and talented and consistent as Russell Wilson has been, I thought we were going to see the end of the quarterback money, where a team like Tennessee can go get Ryan Tannehill and get to yeah. an AFC championship game. And I and I believe that if you're going to start giving quarterbacks $40 million, because that's what you have to almost give Dak Prescott if you want to sign him long-term right now, you're better off going to either the free agent market or to the draft and just getting a guy and building around him. And I feel like that's what the Patriots are going to do. And they're going to show the league that you can unload the goat and you can still win. And I and I feel like that's where we're at. I don't care if the cap is at two hundred million right now, Jason. That's the conversation. Yeah. Because I think Carson Wentz is not going to pay off and we've seen Jared Goff is not going to pay off. It's not going to be when you have to cut all these other players to make room for the quarterback, you're going to realize it's just there's just yeah. including Tom Brady, it's that's not the way to go right now. I'm with you, Baldy. I think they're going to go with a completely different paradigm now, which is pay the quarterback on a – I mean, look, they like Stidham. I think they'll draft another quarterback. Now, look, if Cam Newton – if that market completely falls apart and you can get Cam Newton, you know what I mean, one year, $10 million guaranteed with $10 million in incentives, like at a certain point, one of these guys just might be, hey, it's, it's too much value. Even if you don't think he's the long-term guy, you rehab him right. for a year – he leaves in free agency, and you get a third-round comp pick for him You know, while yeah. you're developing two young guys. So I, I do think because this is such a unique quarterback market and there's going to be some dude out there with nothing, that maybe they throw him a lifeline. But, but that's not their master plan right now. Their master plan is to be methodical, to evaluate every option. There's going to be no knee-jerk reaction. They're not running around with bags of money trying to find the Tom Brady replacement. They're going to develop Stidham. They're going to draft somebody in all likelihood, let those guys compete, and then see what the team-building exercise looks like when the quarterback's the lowest-paid guy on your roster. You know what I mean? And not far and away the highest. I, I'm with you. I think they will reallocate assets in a different way um, and try to rebuild for what they hope will be another long haul of sustained success. It may take um, a step back before they make a couple of steps forward, but I, I, I think they will take the long view with this thing, and I think they will go at roster composition in a different way than they have before. 
Mm-hmm. Jason, you build an NFL team through draft and development. You don't have to pay your draft picks like you pay in free agency. I call this the silly season because people get out of yes. control with the money. And look, it looks flashy. It looks great. Uh, but very often, the teams that win in free agency, I don't know that they win on, you know, end up winning a title. But who is the team right now that you look at that improved themselves the most? And, you know, it's almost like you want GMs to. For, for almost quarantine themselves sometimes so they can control themselves during free agency. But who's the team that kind of made some good measured moves and improved their football team the most? Well, I mean, look, I, I can't uh, avoid the obvious. I mean, Tom, Tom Brady is not going to turn the ball over. You know, Tom Brady is going to keep that team in position to win. Um, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians both know that time is not on their side. And I think the Bucks will be an NFC contender. I think the Bucks mm-hmm. could win wow. that division. I think Tom Brady is, is, is worth several more wins above replacement than Jameis Winston was. And in a 16-game season, a two-and-a-half to three-game improvement, is, especially it's not like they were god-awful last year, mm-hmm. it, it could, be, could be massive. Um, once you factor in Joe Burrow and whatever else they do in the draft, I, I – I like what the Bengals are doing, and they're getting their left tackle back, right, who didn't play at all last year. Jonah Williams. Um, they're getting A.J. Green back, and I don't know if A.J. Green's going to stay healthy or not, but, you know, he should be healthy to start the year, and they could put together some weapons around Joe Burrow from the giddy-up and really start to maximize Joe Mixon that I think they'll be dangerous offensively. Now, defense, D.J. Reader will help a little bit, but I don't know how much he's going to do in the pass game, and they've got to reshuffle that secondary. And I think, you know, them losing out on Kwiatkowski, I like that kid a lot. I think he would have been really good for the Bengals. they got to figure out stuff on defense. But I can see the Bengals tripling their win total next year. Um, and they're not done yet. Mike Brown seems like he still wants to spend a little bit. And, and again, they ran that Lindley kid out there for like six weeks last year. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is going to be a massive improvement over that, I think, just because he'll have a pro mindset. I, I, I think he'll be able to handle a lot of the, the stress of the quarterback position in a way that Lindley just wasn't ready to do. So, you know, we're early in this thing, but I, I, I think the Bengals are in a position where they, they, could, um, they could certainly improve. And I love what the Ravens have done. I mean, uh, and we know that they'll sit back and make some more calculated moves in the second wave of free agency. Calais Campbell for a five. You know, Brockers is only a two-year financial. It's basically, you know, $25 million over And they two kept Judon. For, yeah, they kept Judon. They put $66 bucks guaranteed over the next two years into a D-line. That was a big part of the reason they lost to the Tennessee Titans. We already know they've got a great secondary. They'll draft one of these linebackers, the kid from Oklahoma or the kid from LSU. Um, they got two, two twos, two threes, two fours. It's a great wide receiver draft. They will prioritize getting somebody to put on the opposite side of Hollywood Brown. Guys, the two that they that they got for Hayden Hurst is only like sixteen spots below what 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 Nuke basically went for. I mean, to me, that was a fleecing their third best tight end for the fifty fifth pick in the draft. A guy who was never going to get a second payday there, and I like Hayden Hurst a lot as a person, and I think there's still potential there. But he also played minor league baseball. He's like twenty seven, twenty eight already. The first two years haven't been productive, and they're going to pay Mark Andrews in a year, so there was never going to be a second contract for Hayden Hurst. To get the 55th overall pick for that in, in a year where wide receiver is deeper than ever, there's going to be day two receivers who any other year would have been top 15, top 20 guys. 
I think Baltimore is really in position to do some stuff, and it's not out of the question they make another calculated signing as more guys get cut. But that D-line went from being a weakness to what certainly looks like on paper a strength. They could put a four-man, four and I think they'll be playing more 4-3 now anyway because they're not as good at linebacker. But you, you, could, you could put Judon with his hand down on one side, Calais Campbell with his hand down on the other side, put Brockers and Williams inside, and go attack the quarterback with four well, on second and long. All those guys. Long. They didn't have all that those guys. Baldy. Well, all those guys are much better pass rushers than Michael Pierce. So, yes. you know, I mean, Pierce had a role, and he was a, a big booty inside with Brandon Williams, but really he, he gave you no pass rush whatsoever. Clay is, you give Wink, I think, first of all, you get much bigger in yes. Brockers and Clayus Campbell. You get and leaner, right, and more athletic. It's not, it's not short Way more out. athletic. You can play, you can play Clayus Campbell anywhere on the defensive line. And, you know, Wink is always going to give you a multiple looks. And so he's already figuring out new new fronts that he's probably never run before with the flexibility that he has with both Brockers and along with Clay's camp. I, I, you know, Baltimore, you know, they're just. Um, they're smart. They, There's no substitute smart. for smart. Yeah. No, no, they're smart. That's what you get with John Harbaugh. <laughs> no doubt about it. Hey, Jason, thanks for doing this, man. You're doing the radio show uh, every day, 2 to 6 on 105.7 The Fan in uh, in Baltimore. How's the show been going? You know, we're having as much fun as we can under the circumstances. I, I feel like we're, you know, we're, we've got great chemistry. We're hitting our stride. Um, and we're just, you look, we're, we're, we're trying to give people an outlet for something other than the, the very heavy real things that we're also all dealing with and we're all cognizant of, but hopefully for a few hours a day. People can escape, but it, it's uh, – I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think by Monday we're going to have to do everything from home, you know. So we had been in the studio, but I, I think that's about to change. So we're just, you know, we're just doing what they tell us to do, is trying to stay safe and, and trying to do the best show we can under <laughs> changing circumstances, to say the least. I think we're only we're only eight shows in, and every day it's like something, <laughs> something else has kind of changed. Jason, um, you, you- – you don't have to spend any time beating up the Orioles every day right now. I know that. Oh, no. We're loving, <laughs> we're loving them up, man. Hey, I would, I, would, I would do anything to watch them lose 8-3, to three, just if it meant I got to watch baseball and follow Adley Rutschman in the minors. So, yeah. hey, we're, 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 we'll, we'll try to keep you covered on everything. But I appreciate you guys having me on, man, and, and I hope we do it again. Hey, Jason, yeah, we'll be I, before, we, before wow. we cut you off, yeah. I have one question because I, sure. I know you were – you're kind of working this story with Yannick uh, Ngakwe. And yeah. if the Eagles, I mean, I know the Eagles were interested. Everybody was interested. Yeah. But there's a big price. I mean, it was a big ticket. Isn't it? Yes. I mean, you followed him from his days at the University of Maryland. Yeah. He still has a sack record. He is a great, unique pass rusher. He's only 24 years old. Was Did it ever get serious, either with the Eagles or anybody else, Jason? Yeah, I mean, people have been trying, and for a while they were working on sort of dumping some of the old guys, so they're saying, we're going to keep them, we're going to keep them, and I'm telling GMs, I'll bet you uh, my crab cake versus your whatever that this cat gets traded before the draft. And then some people doubled back, and the problem right now is the price in draft capital plus the price in what he wants is tough. You know? I mean, he's going to sit there and say, well, wait a minute, um... What's Joe, Joey Bosa is going to get? You know what I mean? Joey Bosa is going to put the gun to the Chargers' head. Like, if Bo, what's Bosa going to get? Twenty-two? You know what I mean? Yeah. Buckner just got twenty-one. So, what are the best outside edge rushers, pure pass rushers, going to get? So he he's looking like he should be in that in that sort of vicinity. And if you could get a bargain on the picks to do that, 
mm-hmm. then I think it would already be done. And, and look, the Eagles really like them, and the Eagles really want them, but nobody has an unlimited budget. You know what I mean? They're getting right. to a point where the Eagles are the opposite of what the Cowboys have been. The Eagles have spent, they're right. a top-five spending team, and they've got a Super Bowl to show for it, but you only have so much wiggle room, especially as the quarterback numbers go up and up. So even with the cap jumping, I think if the Eagles had a little more flexibility, um, it might be more realistic, but you, got, you know Howie. Howie will keep taking the temperature, and Howie will monitor it, and if there's mm-hmm. a way to make it work, um, I think they will. But there may be another team that's more desperate that just has, you know, a cap room to burn that they could never spend if they tried that might just eventually say, screw it, we'll give up a high pick to get somebody out here, you know, who can, who can make a difference on the edge. Mm. Well done. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thanks hey, for your time, guys. buddy. Yeah, Jason. Thank, right, Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Well, I mean, you know, Jason's all over this stuff, man. I mean, he's just uh, he's got his lifelines out there, and he's got his he's got his uh, reporting skills. So he uh, he confirms everything. He never backtracks, uh, and he always has some pretty good information. So great spending some yeah, time with him there, Jason. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about that. Did you, did you see the? Uh, the Instagram uh, of how do you say that? And say the last name for me again, Baldy, because you are so good with these crazy last names. What Yannick Yeah, yeah, Yannick Yeah. So he was all over Instagram yesterday, you know, posting stuff, I and it, <laughs> he was I posting love some stuff. He had his it. fingers crossed. He had his fingers crossed about the Eagles. I mean, Eagles. Let's face it. I mean, Slay wanted to come here really bad, really bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying here, we we all live in this vicinity here for everybody that wants to know. But, I mean, Darius Slay wanted to get out of Detroit. Uh, He'd had enough of Matt Patricia. He let that be known uh, with an interview with ESPN. But, I mean, this is a destination. People want to come. They know that it's a first-class facility. It's a first-class way that they treat players. I think the word about, you know, uh, first of all, you know, a a Jim Schwartz drafted Darius Slay. So there's a relationship there. But, yeah, I mean, Yannick Agakwe wanted to come here in the worst way. He kind of put it out there. He had his fingers crossed that he could get something done. Um, and, and nobody is more creative than Howie. Uh, I still don't know how he, he's been able to secure some of these free agents over the last three years when they had as little as they had to spend, yet he gets creative with how he does it. And I know that they were interested in Agakwe, but I think what Jason just said, it, was, it wasn't the contract. It was the compensation and contract that you have to work out with Jacksonville. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there. And you're right, Howie's one of those guys that can. we always say he can manipulate the cap. He finds ways to move money and, and get what he wants underneath somehow, some way. Uh, he's been brilliant at doing it over the years. All right, Baldy, I need three teams in free agency that get an A, and I need three teams in free agency that get an F. Well, I mean, look, the biggest, the biggest player in all of free agency was Tom Brady. And the Buccaneers got him. And not only did they, they get him, but they kept their two best pass rushers and two of the best pass rushers in the whole business, and Shaq Barrett and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, I, I don't think that anybody could have beat what the Buccaneers did. There wasn't many people that gave that deal a chance. Um, but I would say Tampa is number one. I think what Baltimore has done is just classic Baltimore. Um, they add depth and star power to the defense line with Clayus Campbell and with Michael Brockers. Uh, you, you can't argue what Baltimore has done uh, throughout. And then, uh, look, I, I'll, say the, I'll say the Raiders. 
I'll give them an A because of all the players that they signed. And I don't know that they're going to hit on Corey Littleton and Malik Collins and, you know, Carl Nassib and Eli Apple and Nick Kukowski. But you've added a lot of players, including um, Marcus Mariota, where you're going to add competition to your roster. And I think that's what John Gruden really wants, competition. We'll see who beats him out. You know, like, can Carl Nassib beat out you know, uh, a starting defensive end there from last year, you know, Cleveland. So I, I, I like what the Raiders done. Now, those are three teams. I, and in Buffalo, I think all three of those, all four of those teams, I could give an A for what they have done. Um, on the other side here, Jason, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always going to scratch my head at what Houston is doing. Um, I, I don't agree with, you know, with many things that they're done, especially when you have a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson, you have to build around Deshaun Watson and take away his best weapon. That made no sense to me. Um, the Rams, they didn't really participate much in free agency, but that's from, you know, the way that they have handled the, the, the cap. They, they've been forced to do nothing but let Dante Fowler and Corey Littleton and, you know, uh, you know, Todd Gurley and let these guys go. So I got to put the Rams at the bottom of that as well. And then, I don't know. I'll say, uh, you know, Pittsburgh really didn't do much. They were able to hold on to Marcus Dupree. I'm uh, Mark uh, to Bud Dupree. Sorry, Bud Dupree right there. And they brought in a fullback in Derek Watt. Um, I know he joined his brother T.J. Watt, but really, how much is the fullback going to make a difference with what Pittsburgh wants to do? So I'd say those were areas of concern and teams that would be at the bottom right now. All right, Baldy, uh, it's time for what we do at the end of every Baldy's Breakdowns episode. This is episode three. It's five questions with Baldy. And I got to tell you, you've been doing fantastic in the segment. Uh, You've got high marks on week one and week two, but we're on week three, so let's get right to it. Question number one for Baldy's Breakdowns, the biggest head-scratcher move you've seen so far around the NFL where you're going, huh, was what, Baldy? Oh, I think, you know, trading DeAndre Hopkins for what they got for him uh, from Houston to Arizona. I mean, I know Cliff Kingsbury really, really well, and I know how that offense can function. They jumped a bunch this year, but you give DeAndre Hopkins to Kyler Murray, and I'm telling you, that that thing is going to jump. I mean, they're going to convert third downs at a much higher rate. They've got a guy along with Fitzgerald and uh, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. I mean, they've and, and Kenyon Drake. They got the makings of a top 10 offense in this business right now. I, I don't understand how you can trade a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, how you can make the phone call to Deshaun Watson and tell him we've just traded away oh. our, our best player. So uh, that, that one is, is always going to be a head scratcher for me. Yeah. DeAndre or uh, Deshaun Watson, the other one was just kind of like, he probably didn't have words like, huh? You got to be kidding yeah. me, right? Uh, which leads me to question number two for five questions with Baldy because – I remember at the end of last season, Baldy, there was a game against Arizona with Cleveland, and players were saying, get me out of here, right? Well, we haven't heard a lot from the Browns this week. And, you know, you look at it, OBJ and everything going on there. Have you heard anything on the Browns front? That's rare for this time of year to not hear. The Browns usually win the offseason, apparently. Well, I thought they did solid moves. I mean, I thought Jack Conklin was going to be around very long. Mm -hmm. He just plug him and play him at right tackle. It's an incredible upgrade. They want to run the football. They've got two great backs there. 
you know, in uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So I think that you've got the makings of a really good running game. They get Austin Hooper, um, who is a very good pass-catching tight end. He's a lot like Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. He's not a great blocker, but he's serviceable. But he's an upgrade there of what they had. Uh, Andy Janovich, they want to be a two-back offense. Uh, They go to themselves a good fullback right now. They got, I think, Case Keenum, you know, as a backup quarterback, it will be good for Baker. I think Baker needs to have a smart veteran quarterback in the room with him where you could just, I mean, I like, I love Baker Mayfield. He definitely went backwards last year, but I, I want to see, I think Case can be a good sounding board for Baker Mayfield. So I, it's hard for me to look at Cleveland and say they didn't win this free agency, but they made very smart sound moves. And I like what they did. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's almost like uh, they were understated but calculated, and that's what yeah. Cleveland needs now. Because you have some pieces. You're right about those running backs too, with Kareem Hunt and and Nick. I mean, you got some good running backs, and that's only going to help a, a guy like Baker Mayfield as well. And I totally agree about Chase Dan having you know or Case Keenum having that guy in the room helps him be a pro. It just does to me. All right, question number three in five questions for Baldy. Um, you and I, I think, are on the same page. We love what the Bills have done. And uh, they bring in Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. They got the good young quarterback. They got a good coach. They got Tom Brady out of the division. Just how good are the Buffalo Bills going into this uh, next season, Baldy? They look they uh, they're really, they're very good. Sean McDermott is uh, – yeah. Sean McDermott, Bradley Bean, I mean, they're doing a really solid job. They're doing it the right way. You know, they draft Josh Allen, and all they've done is build around him. So they did give him John Brown and Cole Beasley last year. They were in two tight ends. And now you add a Stephon Diggs, a real number one wide receiver that can beat, you know, the best corners in his business. Um, we saw what he did to Stephon Gilmore. Uh, and and not just Stephon Gilmore. We saw what he did to other good corners in his business last year. Um, I, but I think that they've added some really good pieces. They, built, they believe in building up the front. So adding Vernon uh, Butler and Mario Addison – is going to help the lose Shaq Lawson, so they get Mario Addison in there. Uh, AJ Klein just helps at the linebacker position. I, uh, Josh Norman, they get for just about nothing. And if there's look, I think they have two good corners, you know, starting uh, with Tredavious White. But I think if you can add Josh Norman to a to a coach that knows how to use him, um, and uh, and Josh Norman who respects Sean McDermott, I I can't really express how Buffalo has continued to take the steps. And I'm not ready to just give them the division um, because they were very competitive with New England last year. But, I mean, I think this is Buffalo's – I think it's their division right now. Um, we have to wait and see what New England does. If Jared Stidham's a starting quarterback, I'm fine with because I like him. I liked him since the day he got signed by, you know, Art Bryles at, at, at Baylor. But um, – I, I think they're ready to compete, really compete for that division. They have the fan base is hungry. Um, and I think they take another step up this year. So they're a playoff team, and whether they win the division or not uh, remains to be seen. But they're, they're certainly a playoff team and a playoff team that I think, uh, although they had Houston beat, they couldn't uh, they couldn't finish it out. Mm-hmm. I think they can finish it out this year. Yeah, I, I love watching a team build it the right way. It's like a, a, a Major League Baseball batter at the plate. They're not swinging out of their shoes. 
they're just they're get, making contact every time. And it's just been yep. impressive to watch how they've done that thing. And ownership has bought in with the Bagula family as well. Uh, question number four for Baldi's breakdowns. And it kind of goes it belongs right after that question, because uh, if Baldy was a betting man and which one of these would he bet on and put his money? Where's Baldy's money at on the Patriots win total? For the 2020 season, is it one through five? That's 40 to one odds. I know you're not going there. Uh, Is it six to nine wins, which is six to five? Or is it 10 or more at five to six? Where's Baldy's money go on the win total for the New England Patriots? Granny, I think it's in the middle. Yeah, I think it's in the middle. That's six to nine. I think it's right in there right now. Yeah, I mean, I know even the number one defense in football didn't look like a number one defense at the end of the season. I know statistically they finished that way, but I think losing Van Noy, losing Jamie Collins, um, losing Danny Shelton, I think they were three really important pieces. Uh, I know the secondary kind of returns intact, uh, except for Deron Armand. I just think they've just been hit so hard by players that were made such good contributions that really understood the scheme and they've just been plucked. And I think, Losing the quarterback is just invaluable. What he brought every day to that team, practice, leadership. Um, I, I would say I'd put him in that six to nine category. Okay. I see you at six to five odds on that as well. All right. Last question. Question number five for five questions for Baldy. And I know this is going to be like I'm asking you to pick your favorite kid, but I'm going to do it anyway. Baldy's most, more exciting period in the NFL offseason is it the NFL free agency period? Or is the NFL draft weekend? Now, I know you, as a film guy, you love both. You love college football. But which one, if you got to pick your favorite child here? And free agency has been a little wild this year and a great welcome distraction. What are you going, free agency period? Or are you going NFL draft weekend? Uh, you know, I, I look. You love it, it all. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I do love it all. Uh, I haven't really slept much in the last four days. But. I, I love the draft. You build through the draft. You win through the draft. Uh, this is a really good draft at a lot of different positions. There's some star power at almost every single position in this draft outside of maybe tight end. But there is star power on the offense line, at quarterback, at receiver, uh, at offensive line. Uh, you could look at some of these defensive linemen. You look at, you know, uh, Brown, Kinlaw. You look at the defensive tackles. Look at um, – the linebackers and Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. I mean, there's star power at so many different positions in this draft. Uh, and the quarterbacks are going to drive it because I don't know that Jordan Love and Justin Herbert are better, be honest with you, than Jalen Hurts. He might be one of my top five favorite players in this whole draft. And I think any team that drafts Jalen Hurts is going to get better. Um, I don't know if he's going to be Russell Wilson, but if he does become Russell Wilson, it won't surprise me. So, I, I'm going to say the draft right here, Jason. It's uh, okay. I'm looking at if I could point this thing at my board right here. I've got the top got hundred the big board? players. <laughs> I've got my top five. I mean, I've got my top. If I could just show you, like right there. I got uh, my top big board. players. Yeah, the big board's right there. I mean, I've got every position basically ranked um, already. But that's only going to. I still have another six weeks. Uh, before we kind of get rolling with this thing. So there's a lot of time to add some names and some manipulate some some names. So I got to say the draft is is an unbelievable exercise, and I don't know that I spend any more time getting ready for anything than that. Uh, can, can you spin the camera around and find Baldy's uh, cot? Because you, you probably sleep in there, don't you? 
<laughs> I have a pillow. I do have a pillow over there. I haven't had to use it here recently, but if I have to, I can get my 15 minutes to shut out. Uh, let me ask you one last question because I just thought of it when you're talking about the draft. Um, you know, colleges are obviously not in session right now with everything going on. No spring games, no spring workouts. And look, young college players, especially, you know, freshmen coming in and and, you know, if the offseason program is going to be interrupted even further for colleges, how's that going to affect some of these programs? Because they're not going to have the time with some of these really young players. They're going to have to rely a little bit on upperclassmen, I, I would assume, right? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, most of these really great young high school players now are are coming in in January and they're trying to get the offseason in. And then they're a lot of these kids are ready to start like Kenneth Murray. Came in, he started at age 18 for Oklahoma. He started every single game in Oklahoma for three straight years. I mean, the kid was an 18-year-old grown man coming into one of the top five programs in the country, and it started every game for him. And these kids are going to get shortchanged. They're not going to learn the system. They're not going to get acclimated. Um, and so, and, and, you know, uh, the quarterback carousel, the, um, you know, the programs where kids can just sort of just rotate right now and transfer the transfer portal. All these players are going to suffer by uh, what they're not going to be able to do this off season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been the trickle down effect of uh, the pandemic and there's another one right there and uh, we'll see how that plays out as well. Baldy, great job on episode three. It was a lot of fun again and uh, we'll do another one next week. Baldy's breakdowns and uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We appreciate it. Subscribe to Baldy's Breakdowns. Leave us a rating and review. And Baldy, have a safe weekend. Everybody be safe and, and, and trying to, you know, enjoy yourself as much as you can in, in an absurd situation. Yeah, let's do everything we can to kind of help this situation out. You know, I mean, let's uh, let's listen to what the CDC, what the, the government is saying right now. Let's just see if we can kind of start to stem the tide of this uh, this horrible pandemic that's going around globally and see what we can do to help it out. Well said. We'll end there. That's episode three of Baldi's Breakdowns. Thanks for listening, everybody.